Hey everybody, this is John Gregory, and welcome to A Light in the Dark Podcast, Episode 9. October 28th. That was the last episode of A Light in the Dark podcast. Had a great interview with Sven Olaf Humberset from Norway, but it was way too long. Two and a half hours, it just went on and on. And although we had a great time, I'm going to leave those long episodes to Andre and Mike over at uh, A Negative Positive's Photo Podcast. I know I've been missing, but... I've been very busy, and I've tried to keep everybody up to date with what's going on with the darkroom build. Uh, it is fully operational now. I still uh, have to get my ventilation in, and I probably won't do that until spring. Uh, it's a big job to run all that piping and drill a four-inch hole or four-and-a-quarter-inch hole in the brick on my, outside of my house to to run the piping out and get it all done right. So I'm just going to take my time and make sure I do it. And I just have to limit my sessions in the dark room to an hour and a half or so at a stretch, take a break so I can get a few breaths of air, and uh, then I can go back in. I've tried to keep everybody up to date through the Facebook group, and you know we're actually uh, developing quite a nice group there. We're pushing 200 members. Um and they're really active. We got a few. It's just it's just a lot of fun to go on there and check and see what people are doing and what people are asking and being able to answer questions and, and frankly, ask questions myself. I, I don't know everything about this, and I'm on a journey, and I want everybody to join me, and we'll all learn together. Now that I finally have the darkroom built, I'm finding it difficult to spend as much time in there as I would like both from a time standpoint and financially, chemicals, paper, shoot, even water. It all costs money, and uh, I could burn through all that stuff pretty fast, and then what do I do? I've got nothing. I've got to wait until I can afford some more supplies. So I've limited myself to once, maybe twice on a weekend. I try to be very meticulous and, and uh careful about what I'm doing, really think about what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I posted a video the other night on uh, my workflow. Uh, I was printing, uh, actually, I was printing 8x10s. Uh, it was a pretty nice scene, and, I, you know, I actually, it actually worked pretty well. I was a little concerned about using my iPhone because it's the only video camera I have in the darkroom during the process, and although it was a bit of a challenge to hold the phone and you know compose the shot and handle the print and you know I didn't agitate as much as I would like because I'm distracted by the phone mm-hmm. and that annoying buzzer of <laughs> the Grey Lab 300 is while it's it's a it's a rock solid piece of equipment that's been around for years probably every dark room in the country has one or close to it it is really annoying and Andrew Bartram put a put a little post or message on the page saying you might want to just uh, set that thing to sixty minutes and keep an eye on it and and do it that way because that buzzer is really annoying. 
And frankly, I have to agree with him. Uh, so, you know, I tried that the other night, and it does work a lot a lot better. Uh, it frees me up. I don't have to reach up there and mess with it. I just keep an eye on it, and I know, you know, basically uh, within a couple of seconds of when it's time to pull the print from the developer, run it into the stop, and all into the fixture. One of the other questions I got is, why two fixed baths? You know, I'd never done that before that night. I was reading about it, and it seems to be a, a real popular way. Uh, and there, there's a lot of opinions out there, and I, I decided I would give it a try. Um, you know, the, I think the theory is to do the bulk of the fixing in the first fixed bath, let it, you know, get it out of there, and let it finish up in the second fixed bath. So maybe 45 seconds in the first fixed bath, and then 15 seconds to 20 seconds in the second. And uh, as the obviously the first fixed bath is going to exhaust quicker because that's going to get the bulk of the silver off the paper. And then what I did was uh, when I cleaned up for the night, I poured the second fixed bath into a bottle and uh, poured my first fixed bath into my recycle bucket. I didn't even try to save it because it was looking pretty dingy. Um, and I just, you know, I've, I've got a recycle bucket because I'm trying to recycle the fixer. Uh, we've got a, uh, a place here in Louisville where you can take chemicals and things like that to them. And I, w- I was reading an article the other day that you could actually take uh, steel wool and put it in a bucket and pour the fixer in there. And that steel wool will draw the silver halides out of the fixer. And what you're left I- with is kind of a goopy mess on the steel wool that you can put into a plastic bag and take to the hazardous has-been place. And uh, you can the rest of it, is you can just pour it down the drain. That's, that's probably how I'm going to do this. I don't think that I'm going to continue to use a two-bath uh, two fixer uh, setup. It's just, uh, it's actually too much work, and I don't know that you get that much value out of it. Some people say it fixes better. I've seen people say that it uh, makes your fixer last, go further, and I'm just not convinced of that. Um, I've also been using the Ilford uh, Rapid Fix. I'm looking at going to a low-odor fixer. There are a number of them out there. I think Photographer's, Photographer's Formulary and a number of other companies have it. I'm just trying to decide uh, which one I want to start using. That would make it a little more pleasant in there since I don't have my ventilation. And even after I get the ventilation, the less odor that I can put into the air... Uh, maybe changing out my stop bath to a low odor stop bath or uh, the fixer to a low odor fixer or both. Uh, I think the less is better. The one thing I'm not going to go away from is my Dectol. I've been using that uh, for years, ever since I started this in the late 70s. And uh, I'm just I'm just not about to, to drop that. It's, it's my favorite. I've also started uh, working uh, more with fiber paper. Uh, I did uh, buy a box of or a couple of packets of the really inexpensive fiber paper from uh, the folks that give you uh, it's it's uh, oh gosh I can't remember what it's called ultrafine the ultrafine film they have an ultrafine fiber and they have ultrafine uh, RC papers and a pack of twenty five sheets of glossy or matte. Uh, Fiber paper, eight by ten, ran about. It was just slightly less than twenty dollars a pack, and that's you know you're you're less than a dollar a sheet. Now the problem with uh, Photo Warehouse is the company, the way they do it, they claim they have free shipping, 
but every order there's an $8.95 handling fee. So you want to make sure if you do order some that you make it a big enough order to justify that $8.95 handling, handling fee. Uh, maybe get some of the ultrafine extreme film, like you can get 35 millimeter ultrafine extreme in a 100 foot roll for uh i'm thinking it's like 30 something dollars it's it's uh and that's a pretty good film i've used a few rolls of it i know i gave a couple to mike gutterman and uh, i believe he used them and seemed to like them so but anyway i'll uh i've done one or two sheets of the matte paper uh it's it seems pretty good i was a little concerned when i was watching it it seemed like it fogged but um it, it is a little more sensitive than the than the Ilford paper, so I had to stop down the veins on my safe light. Uh, I, with Ilford, I can run them wide open, and that room gets nice and bright. I can see everything. But uh, with that paper, and Oriental paper is the same way, I had to stop them down a little bit because I got a, I was getting a little bit of fog. But once I did that, uh, you know, it was fine. I was I remember the first print I did, it was a, a test strip, and I had it in my easel. My easel allows you to have a like a quarter inch border around um, each around all the sides. So on the test strip, which is just a thin strip of paper, the uh, border was on two ends, and it, when it was done, it looked just a little bit gray. So uh, I did a, a formal test on it by sticking another test strip in there and just sticking a couple of coins on the piece of paper. Turn my safe light on and just let it sit for five minutes. Then I developed it, and sure enough, you could. Uh, you can see where it grayed everywhere on the paper except for um, where I had my coins. So that's something when you try a new paper, it's really the first thing you need to do uh, is to test that paper for fogging, how, how you need to set up your safe light, if it's safe with the filters that you're using on your safe light, or if you're using one of the newer LEDs, uh, you know, to make sure that those things are really bright. And while they should not fog paper at all because they're of a certain spectrum of light um, you, re you really also should test it to make sure now how I do test strips because paper is so expensive especially fiber paper I will take one sheet the first sheet out of, of the paper when I'm testing it and I cut that into three uh, long strips about uh, two and a half inches wide so you have eight by 10, so that's two and two thirds and 10 inches long. And the very first one, if it's the very first time I've used that paper, that's what I'm gonna use for a test strip. The others, what I'll do is I, when I'm making a test strip for, um, for the print, for the exposure, I need to figure out, okay, how am I gonna expose this? I look at the density of the negative and I'll figure yeah, roughly uh, maybe an F, F11, F16, whatever, if it's, if it's really dense, I might even go down to F8 just to uh, open it up a little bit more. And then I will put that in the easel after I've composed my, uh, my, my shot. I put it right down the middle of the easel and try to position it in a place where I remember the, the you got highlights and you got dense areas, uh, so shadows and highlights. And then I will set my timer on my on my, uh, for my enlarger to two seconds. And I'll take another piece of paper, this full size, and I'll lay it over the top of that, and I'll expose just an inch or so, and I hit two seconds. Then I slide it over an inch, I hit two seconds again. And basically what I have is strips about an inch wide 
with the first one's two seconds, four seconds, six seconds, eight seconds, so on and so forth. This can give me a pretty good idea of uh, what my basic exposure can be or should be. I'm going to actually try to do a video on that. Uh, a good friend of mine, Fred, uh, Fred DiGiovanni, who's a member of the group, uh, is a fine photographer, and he's got a wonderful darkroom and has been a real inspiration to me um, for getting back into this. Uh, had mentioned that I really, when I did that workflow uh, video the other day, I really should have talked about how I, how I figured out my exposure. So the, uh, the test strips, how you do that, and... Uh, so I, I think I will try to do a video on that and post it on the Facebook page. Speaking of videos, any of you other folks who have built dark rooms, I'd love to see your all's workflow. If you can take your, your iPhone in there or your, your Android or whatever phone you're using and uh, video the, the workflow, it actually works really well. I, I dimmed the screen on mine so I wouldn't get any light coming off of it. Make sure, obviously, that your flash is turned off so you don't have any... Uh, like that's going to really jack things up for your print uh, and it works really well so I'd like to see how everybody else does it it gives us, it gives us an idea of how their darkroom is set up how your darkroom works uh, and, and how you do things you know I also want to give a shout out to Mr. Ted Vieira of the Photography Matters uh, podcast Ted is a an interesting cat. He's got such a cool vibe about him, and you can tell the passion that he has for this uh, for this art, for this uh, creative outlet we call photography. Uh, Ted is just now getting into darkroom work, and uh, we've chatted on online, you know, through the Facebook group and uh, through Messenger a few times, and. Uh, you know, he's, uh, we'll look forward to seeing what he can produce. I know he does some stunning images of his model work and his street photography and some of the things he's done. I just really enjoyed his channel. Um, going to take a little inspiration from him and try to keep this, uh, podcast a little shorter this time. Like I said earlier in the podcast, we're going to try to keep them, I'm going to try to keep them to 20 minutes or so. And periodically, we'll have a, a, a guest um, interview, and those may go an hour to an hour and a half, but because, uh, you know, people have things to say, and we have to get it out there. So anyway, I appreciate your all's patience. I am, uh, I'm back. I'm going to try to keep this on a regular basis. I'm shooting for once a week. Every Thursday night is when I'll record. Uh, spend the next night or two editing and hopefully get it out by Monday. Or if I can get it out sooner, I will. I need to establish a cadence or a rhythm, if you will, um, you know, to, to uh, get this on a regular basis and give you guys some content to listen to. I know uh, in listening to these podcasts, I hear a lot of people talk how they use these podcasts to... Uh, to take up time in a boring commute, which is, that's me. I have an hour and 10 minutes each way every day. Or if you're, you have a job where you can listen uh, through headphones while you work. You know, I do that sometimes too. I find it more and more difficult because I'm so busy at work and I have to interact with people. So it's kind of hard to, for me to sit there with my headphones on. Um, but at any rate, I digress. I really appreciate your patience. I am back. I am so glad to be doing this again. And 
I look forward to putting more episodes out. Please send me any feedback you have. Uh, light dark at. Oh, wow. Hold on. Now, that is funny. It has been so long since I've done this podcast, I could not even remember my email address for it. It is lightdark at mediagg.com. That is lightdark at mediagg.com. Of course, you can always find us on Facebook at A Light in the Dark Podcast. That's our group. Like I say, we're pushing 200 members. Um, looking forward to see. Oh, yeah, I'm looking just now. We have 191. We got two new members. Um, uh, hey, let me give them a shout out. Those two new members are Aaron Hobgood and Jason Konopinski. I hope I said those names right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are glad to have you. I'm going to post a welcome right now. So when you all see that, uh, if you remember seeing that show up on the Facebook group, you'll know I was recording live when I did that. So uh, anyway, I'm going to wrap it up now. Thank you again for your patience. And uh, we are back. Just remember, keep on fixing. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to Mr. Shane Eisenberg for providing the music for this podcast. The tune is called Savannah Nights. It's part of his EP called Between the Clouds. It can be found on iTunes. Check him out. Great musician.